Hello, and welcome to Promote the Hell Out of It. My name is Miz, and on the show, I have conversations with people who I think I can learn something from, which obviously leaves it open to covering a whole load of topics, but that's kind of the beauty of it. What I can say is when I set up the podcast, I already knew I wanted to talk to today's guest. It is someone I have looked up to for a long time. I looked up to their hard work, their persistence. They are a musician, a writer, a radio host, a podcast host, and as we talk about on the show itself, has also had a load of other jobs, all because of their love for music. Now, I met him playing in Great Cynics. He has now just released a new record of Dangers of Love. I am chatting to Giles Bidder. And on our conversation, we try to cover as many of his projects as possible, how he set about them, how they started, everything. So hopefully, you enjoy listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Without any further ado, here is my conversation with Giles Bidder. So Giles, I am so happy to have you on the show. How have you been? Good. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, excited to chat. Just been working a few different jobs and spending a lot of time on Dangers of Love. Yes, yes. I've been spending a lot of time listening to Dangers of Love, so that's, that's awesome. Great, thanks. <laughs> so I don't know where to start because I want to talk about quite a few of the things that you're involved in. And obviously, it's been quite a few years, I think, now since I actually saw you last. Um, but I guess the best place to start is with Dangers of Love, seeing as we've already mentioned it. How happy are you to finally have the record out? Yeah, it's a good feeling. I think when we started it, it was totally, well, I hadn't written a few songs. I hadn't been involved in any, any kind of like record making since 2016. So that was you know, two years feels like a, a long time after, <laughs> Tell having, me about it. after, after having done it for, for ages. So yeah, it, it was nice. And we, and we recorded it ourselves just in, in bits and in, in drabs, basically. I think we recorded it over the space of like seven months. So it didn't really feel like there wasn't, there was a bit of pressure that I think I was probably putting on us to make it to, for the songs to be good. But other than that, it, uh, it was a nice feeling that wasn't too, it wasn't too much of a, a slog. Yeah, not sometimes not having it overly structured gives you that space to actually be a bit more creative as well. Yeah, and and I live with Rob, who who plays guitar, and we write the songs, and that was really nice to just. It is it's, it's basically become an everyday thing. We talk about it every day, and sometimes sometimes we don't feel like playing guitars together, or like sometimes we'll, we'll have to like trick each other into like jamming or something but <laughs> I think it's it's strange because uh, and we'll obviously talk it a bit more about it when we get on to chatting about your podcast but I found when when I was younger it was really easy to spend most of my time with the people I was in a band with either just crashing on the sofas all weekend long or living together um, yeah. but the more I've had to do the trickier it is to have that connection with band members yeah because everyone's so busy people have lives people have you know jobs and partners and dogs people you know when you've got a dog you have to be home all the time matt matt who plays matt who plays bass in dangers of love has a dog and um love that little pug Vinny. and it's uh it's it's a full-time job and 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 things like that don't get me wrong like playing a band is is great and everything but you know you you, you spend so many so much of your, your teens and your and your 20s doing it sometimes you just want to do different stuff I com- I completely get that, and I think there's there's something about people who hit like close to thirty or plus thirty and are still playing in bands where it's obviously something impacted them about music in a ridiculous way. And I always say to my partner that even though I do have the urge to do other things and obviously enjoy other parts of life, personally, I just can't. I the idea of not doing music or not playing a band to me is like crazy i just can't get around it 
Yeah, I, I, I feel like for uh, it, it, it can. It's quite easy for it to just make you who you are without sounding cringy or lame. And uh, but I, but I feel like doing other stuff gives you inspiration to write more songs, different songs, you know, more different lyrics. Um, I mean, when when Cynics stopped doing so much stuff, me and Bob and Ollie were um, sort of just doing some like acoustic songs with yeah. with like electronic drum beats, and it was a I listened to it the other day actually. It's not bad, but it, <laughs> but it was nice to do something just just different and you know not be because I like those last. I like kind of all the great Cynics records, but me too. I think you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, um, but I but I definitely feel like the the dynamics on sort of a, a, a few of the records are, can be quite um, not so, not so variable, and I think that's what makes a great record sometimes is is having a bunch of different genres on a record. And, and, um, I could, yeah, I completely get you. I think there's both sides. There's bands that sometimes you want to listen to for familiarity mm. um, and all credit to those bands. The records are great. But sometimes I find I'm, I'm drawn to some records just because they, they always have like the same tone of voice and I find that soothing. Or, yeah. But the records I generally go back over and over to are ones that are quite varied and where the band progresses quite a lot yeah i think a new one for me is patience by mannequin pussy and that's got okay that's going on the list i haven't heard it's it. got loads of different different stuff on it it's great and like the ramones i've never like i i you know i've never really actually listened to the ramones until about a year ago and listening to some of those albums where they're you know basically acoustic tracks you know they're they're just pop guitar tracks it's funny, I think when you look back at some of the greatest like music, the the people who made that music did so many different styles and covered so much ground. Um, and I think that there is something beautiful about that, that maybe growing up within the punk community kind of you need to be reminded of a little bit because a lot of the bands I grew up listening to that were punk bands sounded quite similar all the way through. Yeah. I think the best advice anyone ever really gave me was Lil from Household Name, where he just said, don't think about what anyone else is ever doing, musically speaking. Because <laughs> uh, then you just distract yourself from, from, from you, and everyone's, everyone's different. You know, you can get the same, thought, the same song played by a thousand different people, it's going to be a thousand different songs. You know, it's going to sound different each time. So in, in, that, in that respect, it's... Uh, it's kind of nice to to not put too much thought about it into it. You know, I I, like, I think I think you can write the best songs when you're just watching TV, watching a football, or watching a series, and um, just kind of not. You know, your your brain's not in your fingers. You know what I mean? Um, I, I absolutely do. I've got a weird habit of of starting humming songs whilst I'm on walks with Jane. Um, yeah. which I'm sure she finds incredibly annoying. But then I get back and I have to get it down, or or I forget. Yeah, walking's incredibly stimulating. Yeah, I love it, love it. So you mentioned something that I, that I can really relate to, which is how living life and maybe taking some time when you're not so focused on music can actually help you write new things because of your perspective. Have you found that with yourself? How do you think your perspective's changed from, from like the last cynic stuff you did to, to doing this? I think I've become a bit more... Uh, I think I've started liking myself a bit more. Oh, and that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's, a, that's, so that's kind of just been nice because it's, um, you know, you, you, you work on yourself. Everyone's, everyone, you know, I, th- I think working on yourself is a really important thing to do. And, um, and just doing things that make you feel good and, you know, and doing things for yourself um, as, as much as, you, as you're doing things for, you know, anything else or anyone else. And, uh, and I think a big part of that is, you know, the, the job that you got, obviously you can't choose, you know, your, your dream career straight away, but, but you, you know, if you, you know, if you've got a job that, that kind of makes you feel gross every day, then, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world to, to pack it in and find something else. Um, and being outside, I used to play loads of sports when I was younger. I used to be outside all the time. I used to fucking love climbing trees. And I, I at, at some point, I kind of stopped doing that. I was still skateboarding here and there, but uh, 
I've just yeah started being outside more, started walking a lot more. Me and my uh, me and me and Rob from Dangers of Love, we swim occasionally. Although I've kind of I've been lazy about it recently. Um, but yeah, just enjoying enjoying your time on Earth, being a uh, being kind, making a bit of money. Yeah, yeah, and no, I I think it's it's important because. I came out of having some time not so focused on music pretty much with a, a lot of the same things that you just mentioned. In fact, one of the first songs I wrote, the the, the opening line was uh, feeling proud for the first time. Yeah. Because I think it's very easy to be stuck in habits of being so focused on your music that you actually start, or I at least started putting myself down because you're constantly trying to compete against what you've just done you're constantly trying to compete against every other record you you hear that comes out and you feel absolutely shit when you see your friends making music or doing well and you're not and I got to that point and went right I there's something about what I'm doing that isn't right sure I think it's an easy spot to be in I mean social media is pretty gross I mean you're, you're virtually whether you know it or not you're somewhat kind of comparing yourself or thinking I should have been this or that and, and you know, obviously people got that before social media, but it's, it's a similar thought of being, you know, like, oh, I made that decision five years ago that really set me on a particular path, and, and now I'm unhappy about that path, and fuck, I wish I'd have done something different. But you can't live like that. you got to, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're still regretting that, if you're still thinking about it, then you're still making the same mistake. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's that's so true. I, I had uh, someone on the on the podcast who's like a, a business coach. Uh, she's absolutely wonderful, Emma Jackson, and uh, we talked a bit about the the being outside and how helpful that mm. is as well. And obviously, a lot of the time that I spent away from music was when I was traveling Asia, and we spent most of that outdoors. And uh, as you mentioned, what that does for just for like literally thinking about your life and putting things into perspective is ridiculous. Yeah, just finding ways to have fun. I've, I've, I've started reading a bit more recently. I'm going through a stage of reading a lot of kind of like rock autobiographies whilst, whilst listening okay. to the record. I started with Marky Smith, which is pretty great. It made me, uh, I, I've, in, in the past, I've kind of, I, I've be, I'm naturally kind of like a doer, the, you know, the, the emailer. Um, so, and generally, you know, in, in groups or bands, it, you know, a lot of that stuff usually falls on, on one head. And, uh, reading the Marky Smith book made me feel like less of a dickhead. <laughs> so that, that was good. Tim Burgess, Tim Burgess's book from Charlatans, that was a real highlight. Uh, I'm reading the Velvet Underground book at the moment, which is great. Oh, yeah, I've, I've got that and haven't re- started reading it yet, so I do need to start it. It's quite funny. It's quite like, you know, the, you know like the voice you read it in in your head, like, you know, every book has a different yeah. voice in your head. <laughs> Uh, obviously, Harry Potter has Stephen. <laughs> but um, what, what was, I started reading the um, the Elvis Elvis Costello one, okay. and swear to God, I couldn't get rid of it. It was like that guy in the corner of a pub who's just there day and night, telling you, droning on with his stories. <laughs> and I I got through a few chapters, and I was like, I'm gonna have to put this down. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I love it. I love I love his records, but the, the voice he gave me in his book was kind of. Was, was, was true. I can I can the, imagine um, that. Yeah, the Velvet Underground one is quite like, well, you know, this and that, <laughs> and, you know, kind of like assuring, but you know, assured rather, but like stone. Yeah, I get you. I get you. So one of the things you mentioned that I can really relate to is being the person that's that's the doer, and you mentioned that the book made you feel like a bit less of a dick. Uh, can you maybe expand on that a bit? Because that's something that I've I've definitely noticed before. I feel like such a pest, like emailing people, being yeah. like, "When are we practicing? You haven't replied." Yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it gets to. I think, I think, I think being a little bit ruthless, like, is not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I think. Look, if someone, if you, if someone's being like, "Yeah, I'm, I, I choose to be in this band," but then they're like they don't want to practice or they're, or they're finding hard with dates, then like, why are they doing it? That's we're so true. That's so we're true. Ad- we're, we're adults. Like if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But you're not, you don't owe it to me or you don't owe it to anyone. And you, you don't owe it to yourself to like try and keep up something. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate it. Look, it's, it's not as easy as it, as it sounds, as it, as it is when you say it, but it's like, look, if, if you're doing something and it's not like 
and it's and it's coming into you know arrears, then it's or, or, or social difficulty. Like maybe it's not the one. <laughs> That's the thing, and it's difficult because there's obviously always two sides. And I've known so many people who have played it in bands or even played in my band who I can see have less and less time for the band. But obviously, they're still really attached to this project that they've put so much time into. So maybe they they don't feel like they want to not do it anymore. And it starts becoming this battle of, like, do you do less? And then the people who are pushing it, like, lose out for the sake of, of the people who can't put as much effort in? Or do you be ruthless, as you mentioned? And obviously, there's so many feelings involved that it starts getting quite personal with friends that you've that you've got big attachments with. Yeah, I think like it just comes down to being a grown up for me. And yeah. Um, yeah. and and the more you the more you talk about it, the more of a haze it gets and it's just like, well this is fucking pointless. <laughs> I got you know, you got better things you got better things to do than than get into some, you know, kind of weird thinking, Oh, have I pissed that person off? Or like, oh that person's pissed me off. Like I you know, honesty is the best policy. Yeah. Um yeah. and I think that's a big part of, of, of being an adult and like, you know, Look, if, if, if someone's going to get pissed over, pissed off over a little detail, then, like, whatever. I think the other, yeah, the other thing is that, like, a lot of the bands we're talking about, we started when we were quite young, and you don't have the, the foresight of having a conversation about how things are going to work out or what you're going to be doing. While starting a band now is, is so different, because you know all these things are issue, and you talk about them, like, right at the start. Yeah, I think communication is key. Even when it's hard, you know, talk, talking's never, it's not always easy. Um, but it, it definitely is the most productive. I think so. I think so. So is there a point in your life, considering the fact that you've just started, like, releasing another record and doing more music, is there a point when you went, you know what, music is what I want to do? Can you actually pinpoint it to something in particular? I was kind of thinking this yesterday because i was like well like nah I, I i finished school at 18 i moved down to brighton to do this journalism qualification called an nctj and i lived down there for like four months before coming back to london to do some i, I basically lived at my dad's house and interned um and then kind of moved into moved into some flats with some friends yeah but kind of all throughout that time cynics which was still acoustic was I was still doing tours and stuff but but I've always been the guy where people are like oh that's Giles he's an idiot <laughs> you know like I was I was always the guy turning up shows being like oh you know people people love people love to tell me how I was the guy who would turn up to the show and announce that I'm playing like that's not always true like that happened like once or twice that I for some that for some reason the promoter was like oh, you can play a quick set if you want. There's a guitar you can borrow in the capo. And I was like, okay, great. And, you know, people love to have that story like, oh, Giles, he was just a, he was just a, you know, young guy, you know, just an idiot, you know. So as much as I like those people, you know, as much as I know it's, it's not that true, it also didn't really bother me either. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, well, okay, you can think what you want to, what you want to think. But, you know, I, I know what I like doing. So, you know, if that's, if that's, if that's part and parcel with it, then whatever. So given, given that kind of background where I kind of, I mean, the reality of it is that I, I had respect for myself in terms of songwriting. I didn't have respect for myself in terms of um, like real organizational planning for the future. I get you, yeah. It was always like, oh, you know, we well, get what you're given and then be happy for it. And so that was always... That's always my take on it. So I never really had a moment that was like, okay, this is what I do now. And when when there was a sniff of that, it would it would always be it, oh, it would be like oh, here's a three week long tour. So then I would have to quit the job that I was doing then, whether it was building fences or being a Chinese delivery driver, and and then just be like, okay, this is this is me now. And then, you know, and then, you, you know, you get, it's pretty jarring when that tour finishes and you're, you're back home and you're like, Oh, so that wasn't like a real job. 
it's not constant. It's not a constant thing that's just changed overnight for forevermore. It's just those three weeks. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's pretty tough. We were never very good at planning, so uh, you know we just kind of did whatever was happening at the time. Well, that's that's one of the things that I started realizing is uh, the work I was doing at the time, and I was doing it like just not on contract or anything, just what I could find off the internet. But I was doing loads of brand ambassador and event management work which I'd got into just from putting club nights on and then wording my CV correctly pretty much uh let's not say lying on my CV just wording it correctly um but by that point I started realizing that if I started putting that that knowledge of actually planning an event into my tours I'd get a lot more done so it there's a lot that goes into a band which for me is never offset because I enjoy those 30 minutes of being on stage so much and I enjoy making music so much. But there is a lot of stuff that goes into it that is pretty uh, tough to deal yeah. with sometimes. Yeah, I, I've, I've always liked being uh, on my emails. I always liked reaching out to people and, and trying to make things happen. Um, and, I've, and I've only really recently uh, realized that I could put that into work that pays. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying that. That's great. What what made you realize? What was the point? Did someone else tell you, or was it just kind of like a, a moment of insight of like, oh? I think a big part of it was looking back and actually being like, oh, I didn't realize it at the time, but Great Cynics did some really cool stuff, and um, that was something that started from nothing. Yeah, yeah, and it started from two people being like, oh, Giles is an idiot. He could play an Erg's cover. And so, and, uh, you know, those, those you know, we, we weren't fucking, uh, Tom York, you know, we weren't Radiohead, but we were, we were something. Hey, you, you were for me. You were for me. I, I'm, I'm sure I've listened to Greats and It's more than I've listened to Radiohead. That's it. Well, at least, at least willingly. That's it. Like, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, and that's another thing, actually, you know, th- there was this one time I was on the train, I was getting the tube back from a modern baseball show and I was, and I, I was chatting to these uh, this person who was like i don't know how we got onto it you know i, I hate to think of the idea that i would introduce myself from band name um <laughs> but uh she was like oh that song really helped me get through a breakup of seven years and i was like oh that's you know and i and she, you know i don't know what the fuck was wrong with me but i i felt like embarrassed for myself or something or embarrassed for her or something like it goes back to just not having respect for yourself you know i think no you know no one who creates no one who creates is gonna you know think they're fucking awesome all the time that's the thing and there's two sides of it there's having that self-respect but there's also the humility but like we sometimes hide behind humility because of a lack of self-respect, if that makes any sense. It's easy to think, oh, no, I'm being humble, so I feel uh, like I feel ashamed of, of this conversation coming up. But there's ways of dealing it with, uh, with that situation in a humble way whilst showing that you respect yourself. Yeah, and that, that humility, you know, like being on the stage and like saying what, you, like talking about your own love life or your own... Uh, you know, thoughts down a microphone is, is a fucking crazy thing to do. Like, I'm yeah. like, uh, it, I'm a fairly normal person and I don't think that's a normal thing to do. Absolutely. I cut. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if you've ever had the chance of watching Christian Drake. Um, but every time I watch them perform, I'm in awe because I know how difficult it is for them to, to get up and do that. And, there's no music to hide behind. And I know that like I've dipped my toes into spoken word and it's so difficult, but, um, what it takes to go up there and with no music, say the poetry that she is, is doing is absolutely like awe inspiring. And we do need to, to respect how difficult it is for, for people to get up on stage. And especially when they're doing songs that are from the heart and honest, how difficult that is to do. Yeah. I think, like the idea of punk rock to me is kind of become like rock and roll. There's a, there's a quote from that Velvet Underground book that I was talking about that someone said, rock and roll is where you, when you go to a show and you forget where you are. 
and that's what excites <laughs> me now. Yeah. Whether it's spoken word, whether whether it's uh, poetry, and oh, and sorry, I have seen Christiane Drake, and that, and she made me feel that way. Yeah. Um, yes. And she, uh, some some of her lines, I was like, shit, you know, and, and you know, quite often, I, I kind of always used to think that you could tell whether you like a band or not, whether your feet hurt or your legs hurt whilst watching them, because because you're like, you know, you feel heavy. Whereas if you're doing something where that you're like, fuck yeah, this is. This is making me feel great. Like this is awesome, you know. Like you, you, you feel feather light, and you, you, yeah, it elevates you definitely. Forget where you are, and and so that's something that I'm trying to do. And actually, do you know what? I think it's come to me and Rob and Matt and Joe with this dangers of love thing, with where it's like, oh, this is actually like fun. We played a show in Bristol the other day that was just great fun, and it felt like we were like a rock and roll band. <laughs> it was, it was, it was cool, and it was, and like you know, I'm a, I'm a, I love dancing. I'm a bad, I'm a bad dancer, and I. You know, and, and I, I have the ability to sing or shout fairly loudly. <laughs> so, you know, put those together and and a kind of cool, a cool lick, man, or a cool, you know, a cool chord progression. Uh, it can be fun and you can Absolutely. jump around and, and fuck it. You know what I mean? That's the thing. And it if, should it, be fun. And if, and if you don't want to be there, you can fuck off. If you want to chat shit on it, you can fuck off. For sure. And, and, that's, and that's fine. And, you know, I'm not thinking, you know, not thinking about that negative stuff, but, uh, you know, you, you also know who you are. It's, it's an identity of having fun and being like, you know, like the world's kind of fucked and a lot of people are kind of fucked, but try and surround yourself with good people and have fun. And that's so important. You, you supported, um, Koji and nervous and fresh, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I felt like that, like Koji, the, he's so inspiring in that way. He really cares about reminding people that, we were supposed to be connected at these shows through punk rock. And, uh, and sometimes it's easy to come to a show after listening to the news about Brexit and working in a nine to five job all day and putting up with all this other shit and feel quite disconnected from everyone else in the room. And that's not what it's about. Yeah. I, I always have this battle. I love Koji. I think Koji is every time I've met him, he's been really nice. And I think his tracks are great. There's always a kind of, thing that I think about the where you know we're, we're talking about how we should be nice to each other and we're talking about how you know you know racism is real you know for, for one um and there, there there are so many bad things ingrained in our society that I don't think are gonna leave anytime soon you know and I, 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 I you know carbon footprint is, is is an awful one and and I have that uh where I you know I'll be I'll be at a show and it's like yeah but we're we're pressing records on you know petroleum and we're we're using fossil fuels to get around and we're flying on planes and that's fucking bad and, you know we we we're, we're using plastic and and I and I and I and I do think that um, being happy and dandy all the, you know all the time isn't isn't reality I can and, yeah and yeah I, and that, that and that is that is something that that I think about a lot. Pressing vinyl is, is is not healthy for the environment, um, and neither's neither's fucking getting planes and trains and automobiles. Anymore. Yeah, being in the car all the time, and uh, and I think that is a really important conversation that needs to to be had within the punk community. Um, it, to me, what you've just said is is completely backs what I've been saying for a while now, which is that we're becoming divided by causes there's so many causes within the punk community fighting sometimes against each other and music is is one of the things that helped me get through so many shitty periods and helped me understand myself better but if there's things that we're doing that need to be changed in order to to develop then those conversations need to be had we can't just be like well i like this so i'm not going to change it yeah i mean i don't think anytime soon that I'm going to be living off the land. I'm still going to be getting my groceries from Iceland and Tesco's. And, and I know for, you know for a fact that where the produce is coming from is, is not coming from workers who are treated as well as we are. And that's not going to change anytime soon. And it's, I guess, it, like, for me, it, it just becomes a personal thing. You, you pick your battles. Exactly, exactly. But I think the important thing is the conversation, though, for me personally, because 
what you've just said is is the truest thing I can possibly think of. You you pick your battles, and not everyone is in in the same situation at all. Like living in London, for example, is a completely different situation to when I was living in Barcelona. I could grow my own things in Barcelona quite easily, and I could go to markets and get everything from from farms that were literally around the corner quite easily. But you try doing that in London, and it's pretty much impossible. So you might as well pick another battle that that makes more sense. If that makes any, like, no, absolutely. I mean, we're we're growing some tomatoes that are just just turning orange. One of them's just turned orange, which which we're stoked about. Oh, so at least that's going to be like eight tomatoes that we've grown ourselves. And that, yeah, we have got, got some capsicum coming along. Nice, nice. Um, no, it's. I think it's it's being aware of these things and knowing that they are issues and making changes where we can. Like. Yeah, it's not going to happen in a night, is it? It's not. It's not. And I've been chatting a lot on the podcast about this concept of future thinking, which is not worrying about, like, things aren't going to change right now, but that's not the point, is it? Like, the point is what's what's going to happen in 30 to 60 to 90 years' time? What are we leaving behind? Even if that's just the seed of something better, that to me is is at least doing something. Yeah, maybe we can just... Bury ourselves in secondhand books. Yeah, bury ourselves in secondhand books sounds lovely. <laughs> right, so let's touch on uh, modern lovers, if that's okay. Yeah. Because I am really into the fact that you've got this radio show. It's Soho Radio. Is it bi-weekly on Tuesdays? It's bi-weekly now, Tuesday breakfast, 8 till 9. Cool. So how did this start? Because it's awesome. I'm, I'm stoked for you. Uh, oh, thanks very much. Like, it's, it's, it's a really fun thing to do. I went to apologies and apologies. I have none acoustic acoustic session at Soho Radio, and then um, Rob, well, um, Rob's old housemate works there, Will, and so I started producing there. And then after a few months, I asked if I could do my own show and uh, <laughs> and just just started doing it like that. How did you find the transition into doing something like that? Had you done anything similar before? Uh, not really. I mean, I've been in like a recording studio a lot. But other than that, um, now I mean I'm very much still learning. Like I don't think I'm that good at it right now. But uh, I'm I, I like it enough to to kind of try and um, think of it from I, you know I take it seriously. I, I, it's something that I that I love doing, and, and hopefully I'll, uh, I'll start you know liking the way that um, I mean I don't not like the way I sound, but you know I I enjoy doing it, and I'm just going to keep on doing it. I think you should like the way you sound, dude. I was just listening to, to the last episode before before we went on, um, and I can definitely see an improvement on your eloquation and the way you present yourself and the way you're talking, and it comes across very well. Well, the first the first couple of shows were were they'd start at midnight till two a.m. So I was always I'd always kind of like had a few drinks and I, and I was on I was on my own as well, and and being on your own in the middle of the studio in Soho that kind of late at night is, you know, I kind of drove myself. Not, not, it's just a different vibe, you know, rather, you know, than being in the sunlight because you, and people walking past to work. On yeah, the yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, I had a, a weird experience recording the first uh, Lark Hill EP released where we were trying to save money and we'd, we'd message Bob about recording times and he was like, oh, well, I've got these like late night recording sessions that are cheaper so we're like, awesome, we'll do that. And obviously the first two nights, you're smashing through it. But uh, it starts becoming more and more difficult to stay awake till 2 a.m., like smashing your parts and doing vocals at 2 a.m. after like just drinking all day and smoking all day was the, the most painful experience of my life. Yeah, that's, what, that's one thing that I've learned recently is that sleep is vital for your voice. Yeah. So vital, so vital. Singing, singing, singing at least. Yeah. At least, yeah. And for me, it's I had to cut down on cigarettes on tour as well. Like I know other people. I, I, I toured with Hangman a lot, and uh, Chris Childs famously smokes a lot of cigarettes and has the most beautiful, clean voice when he sings. Uh, I can't do that. I yeah. cannot do that like at all. It was when the. Uh, it's when a. Uh, the 12.5 Golden Virginia went out of the window and you could only get 50 grams, 15 quid. <laughs> I stopped smoking then because I just thought I'm going to buy a pouch of cigarettes for 15 pounds and I'm just going to lose it instantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's, that's what you do. 
that's what I do. So. Yeah, it's it's weird because obviously I moved to Barcelona when all the the tobacco changed. I wasn't here whilst that happened, mm. um, and I'd come back on tour and be like, uh, "What do I get?" And quite a few times, people would be like, "Well, if you want the cheaper stuff, here's some under the counter tobacco." Oh, nice! And it would be the most horrendous, like dry, coarse, <laughs> like it was horrible, like yeah. nasty. So yeah, I do not recommend that to anyone who's listening. Don't <laughs> don't do that. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you, and I'm going to do a really weird, a really weird link here. You, you'll get where I'm going eventually. Uh, on Soho Radio, on Modern Lovers, have you had any weird band names that you've had to try and pronounce, or tongue twisters that you've had to do? Sometimes I say something wrong, but I think that's more me than uh, <laughs> than the name of the song. But uh, nah, nothing comes to mind. No, because I've got. I, I noticed that you you tweeted a while back uh, about watching Conor O'Burst and Phoebe interviews. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I always get Better Oblivion Community Center. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, it's to me, it's like the most difficult band name to pronounce ever. I think if you start, if, if the first couple of times you say it out loud, you get it wrong, then it kind of stays with you. But I think yeah. if, if you say something, if you pronounce, if you get the words in the right order, the first couple of times you say it out loud, I think, you know, it, 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 it becomes um, kind of muscle memory, maybe. Something like that. I'm not a scientist. I, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole whilst uh, thinking about this earlier, and I found... Uh, some of the weirdest band names that I could. Uh, and uh, they might be bands that you know of, uh, but one of the funniest I found was uh, Acid Mother's Temple and the Melting Para- Paradiso UFO, which is a, a big tongue twister. I'm not sure if you'd like saying that on the radio. And uh, the other one was Flagitious Idiosyncrasy in the Dilapidation. <laughs> that's, that's Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets is one of my favourite resources. <laughs> And um, what's that new band on that's about to release a record on BSM? Uh, I don't know. Prince Prince Daddy and the Hyenas. Okay, no, I haven't heard that. Well, I'm just going to double check. Prince <laughs> yeah, Prince Daddy and the Hyena. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to check that I think, out. I think you'd like them. I'm going to check that out. So the other thing you're doing, uh, which ties into this, is uh, the playlist. In uh, Is it the I newspaper, yeah? Yeah, yeah. How, how, again, how did that come about? Because that's awesome. I was at uni, well, I've been doing it for ages. I've been doing it since my first semester of uni in oh, 2000. Wow. I didn't even realise it was that long. 2013. But, um, yeah, I, I, for, for a few years I didn't shout about it because uh, I didn't, I, I thought it, it would be, like, arrogant or something. I mean, I've had, to, I've had to reassess the way that I deal with myself on social media because I kind of had to get over the fact that, you know, uh, you do something, and you know what? You should promote it. Yes, and and yes. and because because like no one really is going to be if someone's sitting behind their computer or their phone being like, oh, that that person's such an idiot for promoting themselves. Then maybe that you know I, I it's think their problem. Those people are kind of yeah. yeah. I don't, I think you've got better things to think about. And uh, you know if, if if you enjoy doing something and you want to continue doing it and make that bigger and get and give yourself. Um, you know, a longer stretch of road in that direction than, you know, I think you can totally, and one thing that I kind of also realized is that you can promote yourself in your own tone of voice. Yeah. I, I always found in Great Cynics, I found it really hard to write Facebook statuses because I kind of feel like I was writing for, you know, for all of us. And I felt that really difficult. It was a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I literally write the most simple sentence and then be like, Oh, I sound like an idiot. I sound like an idiot. <laughs> so I kind of had to always, you know, I was pressing backspace and rewriting all the time. Whereas I realized that, you know, if you don't think so much about it, you're speaking in your true voice in the way that you speak to anyone, you know. And I think that is, uh, you kind of somehow you've got to kind of slightly remove yourself from the idea of how many people online it's, it's going to show up for, um, and you've got to say. This is what I this is what I do, and this is this is the latest part of it, and um, this is it. It's really really important, yeah. Uh, but I I, uh, I got that column kind of funnily enough. We had a, a presentation, and I I didn't I fell into like a, a, a crew of people, maybe just four, three or four others in my um, in my class, and they were they were kind of funny. One of the guys actually that I was friends with was written about by the Guardian 
15 years ago as a child prodigy of because uh, because he, he'd created a website that was making money or something but he's a scott he's a really nice guy i think he's working for time out now but um he had the we were supposed to do a presentation on our favorite journalists so everyone in our class was doing you know war journalists in uh from from the iraq war and and kind of these really kind of big well-known bbc correspondents and uh and we went for Linda. Oh, her second name escapes me, but she was on. She was on that kind of a CBBC channel where they, you know, show you how how bread was made. Um, and so we did a whole presentation on like a children's presenter. And uh, Oliver Duff was there to judge it, give us our grades, and he's the editor of the Eye. And I just, you know, I just kind of walked up to him straight afterwards and kind of outstretched my hand. Was like Giles Bitter, you know. I said, you know, I introduced myself and. Um, and I said, look, if there's any opportunities, I can come with work experience. So that happened. Eventually got work experience there maybe like four or five months later during the summer. And it just so happened that week that the music writer of the playlist had just left. And, um, and the two other lads that were doing work experience there, one of them was getting a coffee and the other one was in the toilet or something. So I was there and, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like me, I'll do it now. Um, so just stuck myself out there and I've been doing it since. Well, that's the importance of just sometimes like going for it, isn't it? That's yeah. great. That's it's kind really of funny. Important. Sometimes my editor will be like, Giles, this, com- this sentence does not make sense. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's art. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, but it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun way to spend a couple of hours and it's satisfying to go to the shops like I did this morning. It's a Friday. So I went to the shops this morning and, and got the paper and tweeted about it and put it on, put it on Instagram. My mum's an author, and I've, I do some of her social media sometimes, and that's really helped me um, form a tone for my own social media. And or not, like, not even tone necessarily, but, but it helps me realise... It's, it's, it's helped me. It's, it's instilled some kind of confidence to what to what I'm doing, and I think that that really does help when you when you work with someone else on their project. It, it um, helps you establish in your own mind what what you are when you're on your own. Absolutely. The only thing I'd say about that is, not if because I, I obviously do social media for quite a, quite a lot of people. That's like my full time job, and finding time to do your own social media, even though I understand how to do it after working all day on other people's is the last thing I want to do because I'm sick of social media by the end of the day. Yeah, for real. I've, I've, been, um, I've been thinking, I've, you know, I've got to spend less time on Instagram and, um, and, and Facebook. But it's, but it's a hard one because it's part, it's part of um, what we do, right? So That's the thing. I've, I've, I've got myself into good habits and I did it before going traveling because I was like, I'm not going to go traveling and waste half my time on my mobile. So I need to I need to break some of these habits. And what I did was just because I've got to work on it. So my work time's fine. And then what I did was just turn it into airplane mode and just use it as a camera when I was out and about. And then I'd give myself like 15 minute slots to check it like when we were sat down and stuff. But my main problem is like because I'm with Jane, obviously. And when I realized that we're both on our mobiles, I'm like, this is fucking shit. What are we doing? (laughs) Like, We're not chatting. So yeah, it's building some good habits and it's got to be a balance because it is also so useful for what we do. That's part of having a job in media and other industries that you got to be, you know, if you want to succeed, if you want to do well in what you're doing, then sometimes in, you know, in in particular jobs, you have to be switched on the whole time. You've got to have to, you've got to have to email, sorry, answer emails at 2 a.m. And you, you have to be checking stuff. Well, I would I would say to you that I'd recommend reading the, the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week okay. if you get the chance. Because there are some really good automation tools you can put in so that when you've got the emails coming out, they're getting a reply straight away that says, I reply to emails in these time brackets and I will get back to you straight away. You can put like things in place so that you can you can still be maximum effectiveness but not spending as like much physical time on it, if that makes any sense. Um, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link because it's it's one of the books that has most changed my life, and I know that sounds dramatic, but I'm talking about reading it and in three months packing up our stuff and going travelling. And yeah, it was like pretty ridiculous, like really helped. Nice. There's two more things I wanted to chat with you. 
about. And the first is to fact check something. Uh, and it's something someone told me, and I'm not going to say who it is because I'm chatting to them on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And I'm sure they'll be embarrassed if it wasn't quite accurate. Uh, it's something someone told me the first time I met you and watched Great Cynics. And it correlates well with the story you were telling me, how everyone's like, oh, Giles is an idiot, turned up without a guitar, like, all that kind of thing. So the first thing I heard about you, which I found absolutely wonderful, was that you were famous for playing in toilets when other bands would be playing. <laughs> and that happened once at, uh, <laughs> okay. at, 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 punk, at Punk Rock Bowling. Okay, okay. So uh, It was great. So it was not great. Thing that... <laughs> it happened just once. <laughs> okay, I did wonder about that because I did have this image of you of just turning up to like every single gig paying for tickets, going into the toilets and playing your guitar. And I thought that was the most punk rock thing ever. That's quite a good idea. <laughs> it is, it is. You know Scroobius Pitt? Yeah. Um, he used to just go, uh, he said to himself, I'm going to spend a year on music, and if I don't like actually get a record deal at the end of the year, and that's what he set himself was a record deal, uh, I quit forever, and I will go and get a proper job. I don't really like that mindset, but that's what he said to himself. So what he did was he'd go to, to the queues of other gigs and just literally put his music on and just start beatboxing <laughs> and like making music and making rhymes. And I thought it was wonderful because it's, um, it's that mentality of being willing to kind of embarrass yourself a bit, but still it makes sense in the long run. Yeah, I feel like growing up going to gigs at the Underworld and Astoria and the Mean Fiddler, RIP, both those amazing places. Uh, something so there'd always be some action in the queue. That was nice. Um, so the last thing that I want to touch on because it ties in perfectly with with the podcast is your podcast, which I've enjoyed listening to a lot. Hundred and one part time jobs. Uh, so I guess two questions for that. One, what inspired you to to actually start that yourself? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for, for saying that. Um, it was a case where when, when I was on tour with other bands, I'd always kind of, I'd always, I'd always ask people what they did at home. I, I found, you know, it was an interesting thing to find out. Um, yeah, it is. And, I mean, music doesn't, or it's not even music. Art, you know, being an illustrator, being an artist, being a comedian, uh, tr- trying to create your own thing, um, you've, you've, you've got to make a bunch of sacrifices and one of those sacrifices being is you know for, for some any kind of financial backing you need to sort yourself out with some kind of part-time job and so um that's where the ideas come that's where the idea came from and i realized in, in my part-time jobs like i said earlier building fences being a chinese delivery driver um doing some other things I, i'd always meet interesting characters You'd meet people that being like, you know, uh, if I hadn't have done this, then I would have not have known that that person, that kind of person exists in the world. And I, and I, found, I found that was a really nice thing to, um, to learn about. I, you know, I find people interesting. Yeah, I, I, I still remember watching Cynics play, uh, I think it was a banquet record show. And you mentioned in Euro Chinese delivery driver. And for me, because I was homeless at the time, uh, and doing a very similar kind of job, uh, it was like the greatest moment. It was like, yes, I'm not on my own. Yeah. Well, I think people think it's maybe unprofessional to talk about their uh, yeah, I get their, you, side, yeah. their side hustles. But, but that's uh, what they are. They're side hustles because you're creating something that that is valuable. And it is. Art is valuable, and we need people to to not be embarrassed about talking about these side hustles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I don't think we're gonna we're gonna change that. Like, you know, we're not gonna create some kind of tectonic shift of no. uh, of, of people, you know, trying to just you know put the the face of their creativity, you know, first. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, you've, you've got to do a bunch of different shit to get to get where you want to be. It's true. And, it's uh, true. You know, the, the the stories and the journey. You know, sometimes for me. Sometimes. Um, so you've had a lot of uh, awesome guests. I think uh, obviously Keith from the office was 
one of my favorites and yeah. uh, Paul Smith from Maximum Park. I really enjoyed that as well. But is there is there a story or something that's that's come up on the podcast that's been the most memorable for you so that you can give any listeners like a hint and uh, hopefully they will come and listen to all the episodes? I really like so I met Keith from the office on a bus from Peckham coming back to Beth. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and I was and it was one of those things where you, we we recognize someone famous be like where do I know him? You know, like, was he, was he at my last work? Was he, did I go to school with him? I didn't think I went to school with Keith, but I was like, who is that guy? And I was like, ah, yes, it's Keith. Um, uh, And I just, I I loved, I loved the way that he was, you know, he was on the dole for a few years and would, uh, would, and now does DJ sets. This is this is why I wanted you to explain something because I think anyone that listens to this will now be wanting to put Keith as a DJ. Well, I am so glad I reached out and asked you for help to be on this podcast because I've had such a wonderful chat, Giles. I've really enjoyed it. so much for checking out the podcast i really hope you enjoyed that conversation with giles because it was such a pleasure having him on the podcast and please check out dangers of love the new music is out and it's absolutely wonderful check out great cynics because i love everything they did too and maybe check out some of the other conversations i've had with some other great musicians if not check out all of them but two that i would recommend is the one I had with Sean McGowan, episode one, who is another great musician doing wonderful things, and the one I had with Kelly Kemp, because that conversation was absolutely great. I really, really enjoyed it, and she's just released new music with the Hippies, and it is, again, absolutely wonderful. I love the record. So, yeah, go check out Dangerous Love. Go check out Great Cynics. Go check out the Hippies. Go check out Sean McGowan. Just go Spread your love because it is important to support musicians and that is what will help is actively going out and listening to the music, shouting about them. So yeah, I'm not sure why I'm still talking. Also, if you did enjoy the show, give it a like, give it a follow, give it a rate, depending on what you're listening to. It really, really helps us out and share it about because the only way that it will get listened to is if other people know about it. Cheers, I'm going to stop talking now. Thank you.